0: All right, Philippians chapter three. Go and turn with me there. Uh, man, we're excited today. I'll tell you, we gotta get after it. Uh, there's a lot that we wanna make sure we, we get to today. I almost preached into second service, and so we wanna make sure we hit it uh, today. It's awesome to gather back together, and we're excited about that. But what we wanna make sure that we do is that we're taking the people that God has given us and we're accomplishing what God wants to do in declaring his name and glory to the ends of of the earth. So the next several weeks, you're going to hear from, from me as we communicate a, a vision that our pastoral team has been praying through, working on, asking God to guide us through. Uh, and if you've seen the video, you've heard it. We're, we're all in. We're ready. Uh, and the time is now. Now, uh, as we're all in and we're talking about being all in and what we're going to do today, we're going to communicate some DNA that we feel like is important uh, to communicate about who we are as a church. Now, let me just th- throw out a few things that we know in case some of you, as we begin to talk about some of this, are wondering. We know there's a worldwide pandemic. So some of you are like, mm, should we even be doing this right now? Like, There's a worldwide pandemic. Like, is this the time to go all in? We know that we're in the middle of a politically and ethnically divided nation. We, we see it. We, we see what's happening in our country and, and, and around the world. We know that the most recent data tells us that uh, because of COVID, what we've experienced in the church, that one in five churches are facing permanent closure. We know that as a result of of, of COVID, one in three professing active church-going Christians pre-COVID, one in three, it tells us, are no longer connected with their church since covid And we know that that same number of result they're telling us, which we don't ultimately know, I guess we'll see in a year or so, but that about 30%, they believe about 30% of those who are actively involved in their church are not going to return to their church. That that time of disconnection, that time of of warfare, that time of um, getting used to pajamas, that time of going through this ultimately has led to people being away from the body of Christ. We also know that as a result of all of those things, what might seem logical uh, is, is to wait it out. Let's just kind of wait it out as a church. So let's just kind of stand put, let's wait it out, and let's kind of see how things are gonna shake out with COVID. Then as a church, it might be better for us to maybe take some steps of faith and do some things after we kind of see that that everything is is gonna be all right. But here's what else we want you to know Uh, And I think it's important in the midst of all this for you to hear kind of where we are and a few things. We know that 2020 doesn't get the final say. It doesn't matter what's happened up to this point. Jesus has the final say. We know that Jesus is risen from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, we know that our sins were nailed to the cross so that we bear them no more. And we know that upon this rock, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. Whether that's politically, whether that's pandemically, if that's even a word, or anything else that comes against it, we know that Jesus is greater and he has no rival and no equal. We know right now that God is on the throne and he doesn't sleep and he's not slumbering. And we know that he doesn't miss a thing. We know that he desires to work in us and through us to make his name known to the ends of the church. And we know that one day Christ is going to return for his church. And the bride and the bridegroom will be reunited. And heaven will be amazing because we've been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, there's something else we know. We know that over the next 10 years, Houston County is the only county in all of our surrounding counties that has projected growth. What that means is a lot of the counties that are surrounding us are shrinking into Houston County. You can see it. Even in the midst of a pandemic, and even though everyone is saying the housing bubble is going to bust, the housing bubble is going to bust, at some point it's going to crash, at some point it's going down, everyone who's in real estate is going, We need a house to sell. We need more houses. People are moving here. Like, what are we doing? Like, hey, some of you are like, Yeah, I'm looking for a house, and you can't find one. And you know how we know? Because you've got like 24 hours to find a house. You're like, Oh, that's a house. Let's buy that one. Hey, babe. <laughs> Gone. Never mind because people are moving, houses are going up. And you know what that means to us? It means as our county continues to grow, that God is bringing people into our county for us to reach and to teach about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what we see right now is an opportunity. We see an opportunity for us to be the church right now, to go all in, to take in the gospel to the ends of the earth, not to wait. He told us, I will be with you until the ends of the age. And then he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore we go. So we're not going because timing seems right. We're not gonna go because everything is perfect. Anybody ever heard, uh, if you wait till you have enough money to have kids, you'll never have kids? If you wait till you have enough money to get married, you'll never get married? If we wait for everything to line up till we're comfortable, until we're right, for everything to be right, here's what'll happen. We'll never go. God's call for us is to go right now. And we as a team, we are all in on Jesus and we are all in on doing whatever it takes to reach middle Georgia with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and into the ends of the earth. So for the next four to five weeks, we're gonna share our heart on some things that we believe God has brought to us and and, and ways that we can continue to accomplish the mission of God. So here's our prayer, okay? Our prayer at the end of this sermon series Uh, that this is what God produces within the body of Christ. Our prayer is that through this process, God would produce unity and engagement. It doesn't matter if we have a team of pastors that are really excited about it and a church that's asleep. By the way, I can tell you, if you're watching online, we ain't asleep this morning, amen, in this place. Woo! But it doesn't matter if you're like, oh, that's a really good vision for you. And this is how you will know. This is how you'll know if you're unified in this, if you're a part of it. Is if you say, this is our vision, not their vision. Our aim is that through four or five weeks that the Holy Spirit of God would take the word of God and work in the heart and mind of man and woman and every person in our church. And like he has spoken to us, he will speak to you. That it will not be their vision that they want us to do, but it will be our vision that God has for us to do. It's not something you're doing for me. It is something we want to do for the name of Jesus Christ. And so our heart is one, it would produce unity. And then as a result, secondly, it would produce engagement. Engagement. I think a lot of people right now, COVID, what it has done is it made a lot of people feel disconnected. You might say things like this, I don't feel very engaged. Well, What I want to encourage you with, we all feel that way. I mean, it's been hard, how, how, it's so hard. Some of you right now, I, I talked to somebody uh, just a few weeks ago from our church. She said, listen, Pastor, you don't understand. I've never missed two Sundays of church in a row in my life. I'm in my 90s. When I grew up, when we went on vacation, we left Sunday afternoon, came back Saturday. We didn't miss church. I was there every day, every Sunday in my mama's womb. I just, we just haven't missed. If I got sick, we got sick on Saturday, not Sunday. <laughs> Throwing up, we better wrap that junk up Saturday night. We got to church tomorrow. And then COVID hits. And for the first time in my life, I haven't only missed one or two Sundays. I've missed six months. I miss my people. I miss singing with our people. I miss being in person, hearing the word of God preached. You see, God, what he wants to do is not just to do in a group of pastors, it's that together as the family of God, we would together accomplish the mission of God so that it would not only produce unity, but that it would also produce engagement. That there is something for every single person to do. There's not less work to be done, there is more. You say, well, I don't have a place. You do have a place. I don't know what to do. We're gonna share. You got five weeks. Come on, so here's my prayer for you. I hope that right now, if you're watching online or you're in person, that right now you would make the commitment to gather every Sunday during the sermon series. And before you cast any judgments, you'd hear the whole thing. And then during that time, you would just say, God, speak to me. Lord, speak to us. And so today we're going to look at DNA. Now, here's what we're going to look at DNA. DNA. Uh, deoxyribonucleic acid is what we is DNA. DNA is discovered in late 1800s, but was fully understood in 1950s when they found that uh, this double helix makes up a, a code in all living things to make us who we are. That that life. That uh, why do you have a certain eye color, or why for some of you in your 20s did your hair fall out, and others when you're 60s you ain't lost a head of hair, and why some of you did you go gray in your 30s? And others, you don't have a gray hair yet. Why, for some of you, can you literally pick up any sport in two minutes, just naturally, like, oh, what, what's pickleball? Let's do it. And you dominate it. Or hey, ping pong, let's go Forrest Gump. And you can do it. And others, you can understand math and science. And you, others, you're like organized. And others, you're artistic. It can sing. What? what made you that way? What created those elements? And and God said, I formed you in your mother's womb, that you are uniquely made. How are you uniquely made? Well, DNA is yours. Uh, We can take your blood and, and you have your own DNA that no one else has, unless you're twins. That's another subject. It's still, you're uniquely you. And so we're gonna look at the same thing for our church. Every church has the same mission, but every church is not the same. So what makes one church different from the other church? If we all have the same mission, the same mission Jesus gave to all of us, go make disciples into the ends of the earth. So every mission statement for every church is ultimately boils down to the exact same mission statement. Love God, love people, love grow sin, accomplish the mission that he gave the whole church. So every church has the same mission. But what makes us different than another church? And if you're visiting or watching online, how do you determine what church your family wants to connect with? And what makes us different is, is the DNA, the building blocks of that church. How a church accomplishes and what manner a church accomplishes that mission is different. And we're gonna lay today, ultimately, eight, what we're calling eight hills to die on. Most churches call these values. These are, some, these are things that are important to our church. But the thing about the word value is you don't really know how valuable a certain value is. Meaning, I can say I value ice cream, but I don't value ice cream near as much as if a box of double glazed chocolate dipped Krispy Kreme donuts right off the press. I'm gonna tell you right now, that ice cream, you can take it. I'm, I'm, I'm about to crush that donut, okay? Some of you might say, I value sleep. Anybody value sleep? Don't lie, come on. Yeah, you value sleep. But you don't value sleep as much as you value taking care of a newborn baby, So you will give up that sleep to keep your child alive. Trust me, you will. You see, what we wanna communicate is not just something that that is is valuable. Here's the deal, I value my family. And you wanna know how much I value my family? That I believe one of the responsibilities God has given me as a man is to do my very best to protect my family. So you know what, not only will I live for my family, but I will die for my family. Come in my house, try to hurt a family member. Try. To, God did not say that we cannot kill. He said, you can't murder. If you come in my house, I believe it is our God-given responsibility to protect my family and my little girl and my boys and my girl to my life because I value them more than I value my own breath. So what we wanna communicate today are values that are, are more than just a little thing that's kind of important to it. These are hills to die on for us. These are eight hills to die on. These are things that we're saying, these are crucial to being who we are. And if you tell us we can't be these things, Man, this is gonna be rough. This is gonna be a struggle because these are that important to us. So here we go. We're gonna give them to you. We're gonna start in Philippians chapter three. What I wanna do, I wanna read a text of scripture. And I wanna show you how these things come up in the text and then how we're gonna think through these uh, in the body of Christ at Shirley Hill. So here we go. Philippians chapter three, starting in verse 12. Before you get to verse 12, I wanna look at verse 10. Because verse 12 all flows out of verse 10 of chapter three. He says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul is saying that I have a goal. I have an aim. I have something that is important to me in my life. Here's my goal. My aim is that I wanna know Christ. I wanna know the power of his resurrection and I wanna know the fellowship of his sufferings. This is my aim. And then he's gonna show us in the following verses we're about to read how he plans on accomplishing this goal, what he's gonna do to make this goal a reality. We have a mission to love, grow, and sin. But how are we gonna do that, by the way? Notice the mission of Paul. He says, I want to know Christ. I wanna love God. I wanna know him fully. I wanna know the power of his resurrection. I wanna grow. I wanna fully know the power, the resurrection power to transform and change my life and to grow as a Christ follower. And he says, I wanna know the fellowship of his sufferings. This is living sent. I want to go out even in being suffering as a follower of Christ, being connected to Jesus. I want to be sent for him and to be known as somebody who is for him. And so what about us? What are some some hills that we down? Let's start in verse 12 and we'll roll. He says, "Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus." Brothers and sisters, I, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think different differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth that we've attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and and sisters, and, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Eight hills to die on. Number one is biblical truth. Biblical truth. Everything we do at Shirley Hills is gonna be rooted and built in the word of God. Not like kind of, it's not just a saying, No, like for real, everything about who we are is going to flow out of the authority of God's word. If you come to me, we're going to say, Hey, let's go to God's word. What does the Bible have to say about that? What does God's word teach us about this? It is our ultimate source of authority for any and everything we do. We're going to pray like he teaches us to pray. We're going to go out and live for the sake of the gospel like he calls us to go out and live. We're going to repent and ask God to work in our life if we move to the left or to the right, not of our feelings not of what the culture tells us we should be doing, but based off what the word of God tells us. And I think this is important that we talk about it because I think we live in a culture that really wants to know, do you truly believe the authenticity of the word? Yes, so much so that every single thing about who we are is gonna be rooted and grounded in biblical truth. If you wanna get counseling, we're gonna go to God's word. You wanna be shepherded, it's gonna be from the word of God. What we do is gonna be rooted in this. What is Paul saying in verse 12? Paul is saying, hey, the, the one thing, not that I've already reached this goal or I'm already perfect, but every effort to take hold of it, why? Because I've also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Because of the truth of what God has done and what God has said, he believes this is authentic, it's real to him. This is not just a saying. I believe what God says. So as a result of that, everything is gonna flow from what he believes God is saying and teaching. Man, everything we do is gonna be rooted in the word of God. We're going to teach God's word. We're going to go back to God's word. And that way, if anybody doesn't like anything, we just go back to the scriptures. This is this is your problem or your struggle is not necessarily with what we're talking about, but it's with God's word. So that way we're not led by what the culture says. We're not led by what's popular at the moment. We're not led by our feelings. We are rooted in the truth that never changes the timeless word of God That's gonna be our God. Number one, we will unapologetically, we're gonna preach God's word. We're gonna, biblical truth is number one. Number two is authenticity. Authenticity. You see, we cannot be the church if we're not real about our faults and our failures. Part of being a family uh, is that we're not perfect. I mean, what makes us the church is what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. We are only a part of the family of God because we were saved by the grace of God and adopted into the family because we didn't, we didn't belong to the family. Jesus died for us and then brought us into the family, not because of our goodness and not because of what we accomplished, but because of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. And so as a result, I mean, we just don't have time to fake it. We don't have time to fake it. I believe our culture is tired of fake pseudo-religion and churches that feel the need to, to impress people or to, to look a certain way. The only good thing about Shirley Hills is found in Jesus Christ, amen? I've heard it said so many times. You don't understand, Pastor, if I come to your church, the ceiling's gonna fall in. No, sir, you're wrong, because if it was gonna fall in, it would have happened the day I walked in here. Look what Paul's telling them. Not that I have already obtained this. I love how Paul's been real. Notice how he talks to them. Hey, brothers and sisters, he's an apostle. He's an an elder, a pastor, a church planner. He's seen Christ. Yet, what does he say? I'm just a brother, sister in Christ. He's just been real. And in this real moment, he says, I want you to know I've not gotten there yet. I'm not perfect. I'm not there. And because I'm not there, I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna keep pushing. I'm gonna go after Jesus. Verse 16, he goes on to tell them that we should live up to the, the truth that you have attained. Don't fake it till you make it. If you don't know everything in the Bible, you don't know all of God's word, don't sit there. You don't have to pretend like you do. Our church does not care if you come in here and I say, turn to Philippians and you go, huh? And you go, front of your Bible, where's Philippians? And turn to it. We don't care it's not about how much you know about God. We wanna meet you right where you are. You be real, we're gonna be real, and we'll help you grow and, and get to where God wants you to be just like he's doing that in our life. Live up to the truth you've attained, he says, and keep pressing to gain more. You know what else he does? And I think it's interesting. If I was writing the Bible, writing a letter, I would probably only want to write the good stuff. But you know, Paul's like, I don't have time to be fake. There's some people trying to stop the advancement of the gospel, it's not, they're, it's not, they're not genuine. They're not real. They're faking it. And they're opposing the advancement of the gospel. So do not follow them. Follow uh, us as we imitate Jesus. Man, what authenticity. Hey guys, there are gonna be people who try to stop you. We don't wanna stop. We got a mission to accomplish. Let's get after it. Man, I'll tell you what we care about a lot is just being genuine and real. I, I'm not the most polished guy, but I'm gonna try to do my very best. Whether we agree or disagree on anything, we're gonna be real to each other. So what that means is you don't have to fake it. If you don't like something, don't fake it. Like, if you don't like something and I see you in the grocery store and you jump into the cereal aisle, I'm gonna be ticked. Because we don't have time to be fake. Every single day in middle Georgia, people are dying and going to hell. We just don't have time to fake it. We don't have time to pretend to be a certain Christian way or thing. Man, we, he tells, Paul tells Timothy, his disciple, you be strong in the grace that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the things you've heard from me before many witnesses, you teach faithful men who will teach others also. So he says, don't just teach any man, only teach the ones that are gonna teach others also. Pour your life into those who want it and those who are willing to work for it. But what, why does he, what way does he tell him to do that? By being strong in God's grace. See, we're not strong because we're perfect. See, some of you are here today, and the reality is if something does not change in your life, your marriage will be over in three months. Some of you right now, if you're, you're on a collision course with sin, and it will bring death and destruction. And if something doesn't change, man, destruction, students, some of you are on the way to making terribly life-changing cho- choices. And I can just tell you, we don't want to uh, pastor and we don't want to be the type of church where you can't talk about that here. And for some of you, man, there's hope for your marriage. You just got to have somebody where you can be real about it. Where your wife, your husband can say, you know what, things ain't going good. We need help. We're not where you're going to be judged, where people are going to then look at you and say, hey man, I'm the same way. We were there. That was our marriage, but God by his grace saved it and sustained it. But if you don't have an open place where you can be real and authentic, well then you're missing out. And this is where church happens. In community where we can be authentic, we wanna value authenticity. Number three is relevance. Relevance. Now I know the word relevance can seem scary because we hear words like cultural relevance. That just means we want to be relevant or apply to what's going on in culture. But we don't care as much about being culturally relevant as much as we want to be biblically relevant. That means the Bible was written thousands of years, years ago to a people who lived in a certain culture in a different way. So when we read the Bible, we need to understand what is the Holy Spirit saying to them in their day and how can we build a bridge into where we live today thousands of years later? So when he says go make disciples and then he goes on to teach a bunch of things, we have to build a bridge from then to now. So what that means is we wanna know how can we be effective in the mission of God today? Now, with this comes a, a few things and I, I think it's important to hit them right now. Notice in verse 13, he says that we wanna to run this race and I wanna, I wanna press forward in this call to do this. No matter, Let me look, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Church, I'm not gonna be responsible for what happened in 1880. I was, I'm not the pastor from 1880. I'm not gonna be responsible for the church of, of 1950. I wasn't the pastor of 1950. And listen, to be honest, I'm, I'm not gonna be responsible for what happened in 2000, 2010, 2018. Well, I think I might've came in 2018. But you get what I'm saying see, we are not responsible for what people did or did not do in the past. We have to forget what is behind us and press forward to what is ahead. And you know what's ahead? 2021. What's ahead is Monday. Like it or not, stop getting depressed. Monday's coming. And so for us, it's saying, God, today, we want to accomplish the mission that you've given us today. So how can we do that? That's what we care most about. Lord, what, what, how can we carry out this mission today? How can I reach my neighbor today? How can I love my spouse today? How can I disciple my children today? Let me give you an example of this. When I first got here, um, Chris Decker, who's now our administrative pastor, he was our worship pastor. We have a lot of new people now, a lot of people watching. You might not have known that. He was our worship pastor. Now he's our administrative pastor. And one of the things we talked about immediately was, look, I feel like we need to begin to live stream our services and the day that it was an investment, we had to commit financially. We had to commit to stuff. And, and I'll never forget the first Sunday that we did it. Some uh, sweet person in our church came up to me and said, Hey, listen, Pastor, I just want you to know. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. She said, I just want you to know, I feel like there's a waste of money. Man, we're, it's a waste of money. We're spending money on you know, a camera, we're spending money on streaming stuff online, and nobody's going to watch it. Uh, People don't want to watch it on a screen. They, they want to come to church. People are just going to come into a building if they want to watch it. And it's, I, think it's, I just think it's a waste. And here we are three years later, and for six months, the only way that we were able to gather together was because our church made an investment into technology and equipment because we could see ahead and realize that one of the effective ways to share the good news of the gospel is by going and live streaming our services so that people in other countries and other places can listen to the gospel, it can be shared, we can use social media to advance the gospel. Did anybody in 1880 ever think we are going to live stream our service on Facebook and we're gonna share it, and people are gonna hear the gospel in other countries today. No, listen, when I first came to know Christ, I carried my Bible everywhere. I walked around my Bible because I was terrified that somebody was gonna say, hey, I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna give my life to him, and I was not gonna have the Bible right there to help them. And then somebody introduced me to something called a gospel tract. Anybody know what a gospel tract is? Yeah, so mine was like folded up like in the shape. It, it was a square, but it unfolded into a cross. And then I could just carry that track in my pocket. And somebody, hey, I wanna talk to Jesus, talk about Jesus. I'm like, here you go. Step one. And then bam, 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 opens up his cross. He's the way, the truth, and life. And I could walk him through it. And I'm like, handy dandy ready. I've got it written on it, and I could give it to him. Boom, ready to go. Then we started getting smartphones. And you could have something called an app. And guess what I have now? I have an app called Three Circles. And if somebody wants to talk about Christ, I whip out my app and I immediately share it to them. Hey, what's your phone number? I'm gonna share this app with you. Let's look at it. Share that app with them. And guess what? In case you're wondering, you're watching this and I've done this to you. I have your phone number now. <laughs> and now I get follow up. But I share that app with them. And we walk through an app together and the app is the word of God. And it's a way that they can come to know Christ. Who 20 years ago would have thought one day I'm gonna lead people to Jesus with an app on my phone, in my pocket. It's stronger than a computer. Disconnected to the internet What's the internet? Students like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Y'all had internet 20 years ago? Straight up for real? It was just kind of rolling. We had big old floppy disk and (laughs) go. Google it. See, to them that we would have never comprehended those things, but they came. And now it's about us figuring out today, how can we effectively live out the mission of God? The mission of God is timeless. The word of God is timeless. God is timeless. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the gospel will not change. But I promise you, in the next three years, more methods will change, more processes will go different. Why? Because things are changing at a more rapid pace than ever. And so for us, it's about how can we continue to effectively share the gospel, not to be cool, not to like, oh, the church is relevant. No, we want to effectively see more people go to heaven and less people go to hell because God placed us here. And so it's about us learning how can we take the word of God and build bridges to today, even if you don't like today, even if you're mad at 2020, and in, you, in your mind, you feel like our, our time is all off and they need to go back to what it was like in 1950. That doesn't mean it's gonna happen and we are still gonna be responsible for what we did or did not do today. As for me and my house, I wanna serve the Lord today and the ways that God, so we're gonna be relevant. So we're gonna run the race today. We're gonna keep pressing on and, and stay true to the word of God. Number four is community. You see, this is life on life. God has not called us to do this together. Notice over and over, Paul is saying, hey, brothers and sisters, we together are called to do this. I like technology and I like some of the things, yet those things do not replace being in a room with people and being known by them and praying with them. You see, some of you, you don't have somebody to be authentic with because you don't have somebody. And God's called all of us to have somebody. In my life, when crap hits a ceiling fan, I've got somebody I can call. I've got a brother in Christ that we can pray for and we can ask God to move and work with. But some of you, you're lonely and you don't have that. And this is is the church. It's not just what we do here, but it's gathering together to live out the mission of God in a group of people. One another is in the Bible. Uh, Philippi, uh, the reason he's writing to the Philippians is because Paul went to Philippi, shared the gospel with Lydia. She goes home, her family comes to know Christ. Then while they were in jail, a Philippian jailer comes to know Christ and the church is taken off and a people began to worship God together. So when we think about what God has called us to do, we need to understand that we wanna live amongst the people. Notice one of the main differences between the evil people in verse 18 and 19 is that they were being led by their selves, their appetite, their glory. It was about them. Yet everything else in this text, he says it is about us. You wanna know one of the big differences that you can tell between someone who's pretending to be a Christ follower and someone who's following Jesus? The ones who are following Jesus, it is about us. The one who's not, it is about me. Well, this is what I want. Well, this is what I like. Well, what about me? It's not about me anymore. The day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, Jacob Green died and I became alive in Jesus. And it is about him and what he wants for his glory and his namesake. So God, how can I empty myself and live for you amongst a people as a family of God? We all need people to live life With we believe in community. Number five, we want to give God our best. Notice over and over here, he says, "I'm making every effort. I'm not just kind of doing this thing. I'm not just kind of, kind of flowing into Christian life. I'm making every effort to grab hold of that which I've been given in Christ Jesus." He says, "I'm reaching forward to what is ahead. I'm not just kind of living life and like just letting COVID just maybe carry us there. Listen to us. It's ours for the taking." He has already told us, I will be with you. Go. Okay, God, we're gonna pray about go. Why are you praying about going? I told you to do it. Okay, God, I'm gonna pray about sharing the gospel. Well, what? I've told you to do it. Okay, God, I I just wanna talk about loving my neighbor. Here's the issue. Church, we have talked evangelism and we have talked about being the church and we've talked it to death. Let's give God our best. Hey, you don't need to be the perfect gospel sharer. Just go share the gospel. Why well, I might mess it up. We all are gonna mess it up, but God takes our broken messes and does miracles with it. I don't need perfect men. We need willing men. We don't need perfect marriages. We need willing homes to say, God, I don't have a lot, but I'll give you my best. I don't have a lot of gifts. We don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of stuff. We don't have a lot of time, but you are everything we need. Here I am, God. Use me. I'm all in. I want to give God our best. He says, "I." verse 14, I'm pursuing my goal uh, to, to know the power of his resurrection. Let me ask you, what level of pursuit do you have in your life to obtain all that you can obtain in Christ Jesus. Man, we wanna give the very best that we have. You know what that means? We might not do the same thing in 2021 that we did in 2020, even if it's good. You say, well, why? Because 2021's different. It's a different year. Dates are different, calendars are different, events are different. And so we might see something good that God did in 2020 and say, you know what? Even though it was good, we don't wanna do it in 2021 because we believe God has this and we believe it could even be better. You see, this is a willingness to risk the ordinary and the good for God's best and great. And that is found in obedience. This is a heart that says, Lord, we just, as the heart of a worshiper, we wanna give you the very best that we've got from our children's ministry to music, to greeters, to going out and living in our community. We just wanna offer the very best that we have. And it might not be a lot, but God, we wanna give you our best. In our effort and in our heart, God, wanna give you our best. Number six, we wanna reproduce. I'm gonna hit this one at the end. So we're going to reproduce. I'm going to tackle that one at the end. That'll be a, a big one that we want to talk to. Number seven, we're going to be life-giving. Oh, oh I got to hurry. Life-giving. Let me just share why this is really important to me. You know, as a church member, you don't always know all the things that happen in the life of a church. Sometimes people will come and meet with me or, or you know, let's go eat lunch and, and they share their heart. They talk to pastors and they pour out things that are personal and hard and, one of the things that I hear a lot, maybe one of the, probably one of the most often conversations I'm having is people trying to heal from church hurt. People that went to a church, something happened they didn't like, something went down, somebody hurt their feelings and scars were built and, and, and church was no longer, it wasn't life giving, it was life taking. we want to be a life-giving church, a church that's full of the Spirit of God, joy and unity, and a church that keeps its focus on the main thing. This is a church that makes the main thing the main thing. Everybody listen to what I'm about to say. There will always be a hundred reasons for you to not like something about your church. And if you're watching online right now and you go to another church, I'm about to hook your pastor up. There is no perfect church. There's only a perfect Savior there, were, there's no perfect, there was always going to be something that you don't like. I don't like my shoes today because everybody on our praise team wore white ones. I have been left out. So next week, I'll be rocking in white ones. I can promise you that. There's something you're not going. There's something that's not there. But as a body, we want to be a life-giving church. Amen. You come and hang out at Shirley's. You come hang around us. Man, you're we're, you're gonna get life giving. You you just the spirit of God is gonna pour into you. Look what he says in verse eighteen and nineteen. He says sadly, and I say this with tears. When I say he said I say this with tears. There are evil people. I've often told you this, he says. They live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. We are a heavenly people who are focused on heavenly tasks with a heavenly mission. Church, we gotta stay focused. There will always be reasons that we could be upset or not like certain things, but when we keep our eyes on heaven, it changes how we view everything. I I want us to be a life-giving church. Somebody's hurting out there, come hang out with Shirley. Can I tell you, God brought me here uh, from a situation that wasn't necessarily life-giving. Multiple of our pastors God brought here from situations that were not necessarily life-giving. We've had several members that God has brought that were in situations that were not necessarily life-giving in. Can I tell you, for the most part, Man, what God did, at sure is, is he healed my heart and allowed me to, to love people again and trust that we can love God and love others and, and get over small things for the sake of big things. That's what sacrifice is, by the way. Sacrifice is not giving up something you don't like for something you do want and like. That's called a blessing. I wanna get rid of something bad and gain something good. You know what sacrifice is? Giving up something you love for something you love even more. Church, God has called us to sacrifice. We will give up things we love for something we love even more. And you know what we love is people. I don't want a single person to go to hell. If they go to hell, if out of middle Georgia, I want it to be because surely they will set up stop at the gates of Hades and for them to get there, they had to literally get over us kicking and screaming because we will sacrifice things that we love for something that we love even more. And that is that people would know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We wanna be life-giving. Uh, lastly, we wanna value transformation. Transformation, this is, we're gonna celebrate growth and life change. This means we don't necessarily care how you start at Shirley Hills. Some of you, you're not a Christ follower. Some of you don't know anything about the Bible or God. and That's okay. Uh, there's no shame in that here at all. Amen, church? We do not care where you're beginning. Some of you are like, "We don't understand. I'm a bad husband. It's okay. We all need God's grace. You don't get it. I'm a bad wife. You don't get it. No, I do get it. Because the only reason that in other areas of our life that we're anywhere different is by the grace and the work of God in our life. So we don't necessarily care where you start, but if you hang out here with us long enough, Jesus is going to change your life. I can promise you that. Because we value transformation. Come hang out with the people of God and eventually the word of God and the spirit of God is gonna work in your life and there'll be life change. And we wanna celebrate it. You're gonna hear stories soon about God is changing people's lives. And we, I don't wanna stay the same. I want God to keep changing my heart and my mind and growing me in my faith. And we want others to experience that too. So here we go. Let's go back to reproducing. I think this is probably, this is the newest I would say, element that we have not really done a ton of since I've been here. Uh, I don't know as much about the past. I think I'm sure there was in some form or way, but this is going to be a hill that we die on. It is going to be a focus from staffing to budget to all the details you will hear in the coming weeks. We want to be a church that reproduces. Here's what we believe we believe that healthy things grow, and when healthy things grow, they reproduce. It's just how God made things. When we're healthy, we reproduce. And so as a church, if we want to reproduce, we're gonna focus on being the healthiest version of who God's made us to be. We're gonna grow deeper. And out of that, it's gonna be healthy roots. And that's gonna produce much fruit for the glory of God. He has called us to reproduce. But here's how I wanna be uh, clear and specific on this. When I say that we believe that a heel to down for us is reproducing, let's kind of walk through the areas that we think that that is really important. First of all, this is where Christ followers reproduce Christ followers. What this means is a, a big aim for us is to not be a, a program-driven church. So let me ex- explain a program-driven j- church. A program-driven driven church would say, Pastor Jason leads somebody to Jesus. Okay, this just happened. He leads somebody to Christ. And then he says, hey, we need to plug them into our program to disciple them so that they can learn what it means to follow Jesus. Rather, what we're going to say is that we believe that God has called us to reproduce, which means I'm going to say, hey, Pastor Jason, you are the program. Like You're the person. Let him hang out with you. And by hanging out with you as you follow Jesus, they will learn how to follow Jesus. This means is we want Christ followers reproducing Christ followers. So a question that I would ask you is who is hanging out with you in your life that you're trying to help them follow Jesus? You say, well, I don't have time for that. What do you mean you don't have time? Do you go on a walk? Invite them to go on a walk with you. Do you cook? Invite them to cook. And since I know 90% of Warner Robins does not cook because you're in fast food lanes every single night and at Chick-fil-A, invite them to ride with you through Chick-fil-A and teach them about the efficiency of the gospel because Chick-fil-A is rocking it. By the way, there's a lesson in this. Chick-fil-A said we want to be relevant in the chicken market. We can stay with one lane, but I think we can make our kitchen more efficient and sell more chicken sandwiches with two lanes. Oh, I don't like two lanes. Well, you know what? I can tell you this. I rolled up to Sonic the other night with seven people and I left it because seven people is gonna take way too long. And I rolled up in Chick-fil-A's parking lot with 786 people in line. And I said, you know what? This will be so fast. I jumped into a line with 10,000. You know why? They learned. They wanted to be relevant how they could accomplish. And you know how they do it? Let me tell you how. I drove through and somebody was ordering our food and going through the food and they had somebody else right there beside them just watching, watching. They were training. They were learning what it meant, the DNA and the value of how Chick-fil-A is Chick-fil-A. And they're not Sonic, they're not Burger King, they're nowhere else because they say, God bless you, have a great day. You know what I'm saying? My pleasure. Would you like another sauce? Yes, here's eight. Thank you. How they train, they equip. Church, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. God help us that we've allowed the secular market to do better at training up people than the church because they're selling chicken, but we're trying to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that their soul would be in heaven Forever, we want, to, we want to make sure that we are reproduced. So this is a Christ follower. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, are you following Jesus? Yes. Then let them hang out with you as you follow Jesus. They don't know how to read the Bible. Well, do you read the Bible? Then read the Bible and y'all talk about it and let them know what you do. So Paul, look what he says here. Imitate me as I'm following Jesus. And if you can't imitate me because I'm not around you, then find other people who have the same values and imitate them. The way that we grow is by inviting people into your life and letting them follow Jesus by following the Jesus that you are following. So we want Christ followers to reproduce Christ followers. We want D groups to reproduce D groups. As you're bringing in new people, we've got to continue to make disciples and sometimes we're gonna need to multiply and reproduce those. This is leaders reproducing leaders. Hey, look, I'll tell you a heart of mine. I think there's a lot of people who feel like God has called them to the ministry, but they're scared because they don't know what they're doing. They've never done it. they don't know how to do it. So they go to school and they learn all this information and then they go and they take their first church and the junk is hard because they've never made mistakes anywhere. I want Shirley Hills and I believe we're the type of church where we can pour into the next generation of pastors and youth pastors and worship leaders because we have an unbelievable team and we can let them make mistakes at Shirley Hills and they will grow here and they will grow up here and be sent from here and go make a difference for the kingdom here, there, and everywhere. We wanna reproduce leaders. But not only that, maybe the biggest Change, I'll it'll be the biggest new thing that we are talking about and we wanted to bring it up first sermon because we want the next several weeks to talk about this is we believe that the way that we can more effectively and efficiently reach middle Georgia with the good news of the gospel is we want to be a church where campuses reproduce campuses. We are currently a church who has multiple services. Meaning if you were in second service, you might not know who was in the first service. Matter of fact, I know you don't know who was in the first service. Or first service doesn't necessarily know who's in the second service. But I'll tell you what is valuable. In the history of church growth, we realized we want as many people to go to heaven as possible. So most churches in America were 100 people or less. But then they started realizing, look, we wanna reach more people. So let's build, at first they said, we're gonna put churches in every community. So you have Shirley Hills Baptist Church because we are here to reach Shirley Hills community. But then gas started getting better. People started driving further and we realized that people will drive for a church that's alive. They'll drive past a dead church to go to a church that's alive and something's happening. So then they stopped saying, well, let's put a church in every community and let's build some churches with bigger buildings. So churches then moved from 100 to 500 to 1,000 to 3,000 to 5,000 to 10,000. And the mega church movement happened. But you know what else happened in the mega church movement? We started realizing that as buildings got bigger, people started saying something like this. Man, I'm so thankful for what God's doing. And honestly, I'll sacrifice all that I liked about a smaller worship size so that more people go to heaven. I'll sacrifice something that I love or something I love more. But I still miss worshiping in a, 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 a thousand people or less environment where I could know the people around me. And so for us, we like the the idea of keeping worship services smaller, a thousand or less, yet still being able to grow. And and the avenue for us to be able to do that, we believe, is for us to multiply campuses, to have one church in multiple locations. You say, well, how would we do that? Let me give you an example. If we decided right now we're going to spend millions of dollars to renovate our current facilities— by the way, do y'all think we could spend millions of dollars on our current facilities? Easy. Easy. So let me use a number. Let's say that we decided as a church we were going to spend four to four and a half million dollars on our current facilities, roughly the cost of what we built the CLC and parking stuff, and, and we spent that amount of money. It took us off I'll, I'll top, I think, 11 years or something, 11 years and some change to pay that off. Over, let's just say 10 years for the sake of our earlier illustration. Over the next 10 years, Houston County, is, our, is the county we live in, is the county that has projected growth for the next 10 years. Do we believe that spending that $4 million-something on these facilities will help us reach the population growth and increase of Houston County over a 10-year span? I don't believe so. And as a group of pastors, we have prayed, and we've thought, how can we—there's just a burden— There are people who need Jesus in our community and God's put us here to do something about it. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be fully committed to love growing and sending right here. Yet, we're also gonna be asking a group of our people to pray through the process of being launched out of this campus to start another campus. We'll share more details as the Lord makes them clear to us, but we wanna be a church that has no cap to what God can do for the glory of God here, there, and everywhere. And we believe we can do this. We think God has perfectly set us up over and over and over, God has done unbelievable things in our church to allow us to be debt free, to pay off debt, to put up money. I mean, God is we're going to be sharing all the details, but here's what I want you to hear from our heart. This past year, my cousin, uh, my cousin died, and it's probably the closest person to me that I was not 100% sure if he went to heaven or hell. We had talked about the gospel, but I just don't know. Uh, he could be in heaven. He could not be in heaven. And can I tell you, it shook me, absolutely shook me. Because there's a lot more of my cousins in this community. A lot more. And you know what, over the next 10 years, God is gonna bring more into our community. And we can complain about what's going on outside of the church, or we can go do something about it. And I believe God has called us to go do something about it. And the way that we do that is by being a reproducing church. It's by saying, God, here we are. We're all in. If you wanna help us to multiply, we will send out 50 to 75 people from this campus to start a new one. And that'll create space and holes in this campus for us to reach new people right here. And then they can be doing that same thing. And we will keep doing that until Jesus calls us home. And every person in middle Georgia and the nations know that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. We wanna be a reproducing church. I do not want the gospel to stop with me. He's just too good. And he is worth it. He's worth sacrificing our comfort. He's worth sacrificing what is normal. He's worth sacrificing the idea that we had in our head of what church is supposed to be, that one day we get to heaven and more people are there because we went all in and said, Jesus is worth it. Let me close with this. Uh, most of you know, that we just had uh, a baby. Let me, Stacy had a baby. Praise team. You guys go and come up. Uh, we, had, we had a baby, Levi, whoop, whoop, Love it. Uh, I just put him to sleep. It's just a gift, preacher gift. And so he uh, don't sleep at night, but listen to daddy preach, you're out. And so uh, Stacy, you know, we went through this process and there were definitely ups and downs of it. And, but one day she's like, look, I, I want some Starbucks. And I'm like, okay, let's get it. Starbucks it is, we're gonna get some Starbucks. And we pull up to Starbucks and like Starbucks, the line was not only wrapped around the building, they're not Chick-fil-A, they were legit, like out into Watson. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me, but you know what? I did not just have a baby. So I'm going to park this car and I'm going to walk in and get her a Starbucks if she wants a Starbucks. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go inside. Throw my mask on. I walk inside. There's 12 people working like crazy. They're working and they're working and they're working. And nobody is in there except this one sweet lady. She's... Got to be 85, maybe 90 years old. And she's got a mask on. I've got a mask on. I'm in shorts. I'm in a t-shirt. I got my hat on backwards. And, and y'all wouldn't have recognized me. I mean, nobody really, you, wouldn't have, you just wouldn't have recognized me. Nobody would have. Uh, I, I've never seen this lady in my life. She's squinting and she's looking up on the menu. And I was like, do I help her? But I don't know Starbucks language. I don't know what any of that junk is. I literally, when I order Stacy's, I, I go, here's a picture of what she wants. And they make it off of that. I don't know it. And so I'm like, oh, I don't really know if I could help her. And, and so she says, you know what? I just, I'll just take a black coffee. They hand her a black coffee and, and she turns around and she looks at me and she makes dead eye contact with me. And I went, hmm. I mean, as slowly as you could imagine, all the way across that place, she's looking right at me and she's making her way to me. I mean, she's just humped over. I mean, she's walking slow with that black coffee in her hand and she's coming straight to me all 12 people behind the counter stop working on the line wrapped out into Watson because they're watching like a slow moving shark attack. They're like, this is something's, you know, she's making her way straight to him. And I'm, you know, I have a little ADHD hyperactiveness. I, do I walk over to her? Uh, what are we doing here? I, this is, this could be awkward. And she walked straight up to me and she looked at me and she pointed and she said, you're a man of God, aren't you? And I went, Yes, ma'am, I am. Jesus changed my life. He's done an unbelievable work in my life. She said, I know. And when I turned around and saw you, I want you to know that God told me to walk up to you and to tell you that he's heard your prayers and he's already answered them. Keep praying, big prayers. Chills all over my body. I've never seen this lady in my life. Chills upon chills. I could not get Stacy's drink fast enough to run out to the van to tell her. I'm telling you, I had chills so bad, I think my facial hair stood up. Because for months, for months, we've been praying, and I've been praying, God, I feel the weight of all the people in middle Georgia that you have called us to go get for the sake of the gospel. And you are a big God who has risen from the dead. You called Lazarus out of the grave. You called Peter on the water. You are that big. So God, we're gonna attempt some big things for you. And I might fall on my face. I might sink just like Peter. But God, the biggest weight I have is I want us to all do it together. I want us to do it together. I'm willing to risk what it takes, whatever it takes to go after people who need Jesus. And I fully recognize that some of you today might look at me and say, hey pastor, I think you're crazy, I don't like it, and that's not my jam. But we're praying big things. And my prayer is that 100% of people who call Shirley Hills, from five to 95, would believe what that sweet lady said in Starbucks. That God has heard our prayers and that he's already answered them. It's already in the works. And to keep praying big prayers. Shirley Hills. we're inviting you to come all in with us to go after every man, woman, and child in middle Georgia. Every age group, every person to go after every person that they would know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I promise you, when we go to bed exhausted every night and we aged and God calls us home and we labored for the sake of the kingdom, It'll be worth it.